0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Namaste. Welcome to the Conscious Combo podcast. I am your host and teacher, Pippa Leslie. I'm here to share everything I learn and channel. This podcast is for the conscious and curious beings who are ready to dive deeper into spirituality. I am so grateful you are here. Hi guys, welcome back. Firstly, happy new year. I hope you had a beautiful holiday season and you have had a great new year so far. I am so excited today to be bringing on a very special guest who has changed my life in many ways with his work and his books. And I'm just so honored to have him on the podcast today. So please let me welcome Neil Donald Walsh, who is just an absolute amazing spiritual teacher for me and Chris, my now husband, as you all know, got um, got married at Christmas. So it's good to see you all. It's good to hear from you all and I'm sending you so much love as always. Now, Neil Neil has lots of books. He has 39 books in contemporary spirituality. And the ones that changed my life were the nine book Conversations with God series. Now, it was Chris who actually introduced me to Neil, because Chris read his books many years ago when he was younger. And he said, you need to read Neil's work. So I did. And I was absolutely blown away. It completely changed my life. And I'm just so honoured to have you right in front of me now, Neil, talking to me. I'm, I'm honestly so grateful. So hi, Neil, and welcome to the show.
1: Oh, gosh, Peppa, thank you for those very kind words. It's an honour to be here with you as well. I, I, I wouldn't want people to think of me as anything special or anything out of the ordinary because I'm certainly not that, but it's nice of you to say those sweet things. And I'm glad you know, I can, I can say this much. I'm I'm only happy if some small thing that I have done, mm-hmm. may have touched your life and Chris's life for that matter mm-hmm. in a positive way. So thank you for telling me that.
0: Yeah, How can right.
1: I be of service to you today?
0: I am just so interested in, with any interview that i do just being able to talk to you just being in a presence with someone who has you know impacted my life is an honor for me and i think being able to just ask certain questions that come up for me to ask you with your journey because i think it's interesting how your your words the messages that you bring through speak directly to my soul and I just resonate so much so i'm excited to talk about your new book as well The God Solution, which, again, I'm going to be reading more in depth. But I think for me, Neil, is I know a lot of the listeners with my podcast will know of your work. So I think for me, it's to ask you, how is your spiritual journey going right now? Because a lot of the time I ask, how did it start? When did it begin? But I'm yet to ask someone, how's it going right now?
1: Well, um, I hate to be predictable, but it's really going wonderfully well. I'm I'm having a a very sweet and, and wonderful life. I'm married to a sweet and wonderful lady, and have been for 15 years, which is for me a record because I was going through relationships like water, like they didn't even exist. Mm-hmm. But I finally got myself straightened out around relationships, uh, and so I've that is going extremely well. And uh, you know, my my work in the world seems to be. Um, bringing some benefit to others. So, you know, I've had everything that anyone could ask for uh, in a life. My ups and downs, for sure. Mm -hmm. Some serious, uh, you know, what others would call setbacks. What I now see are simply lurches forward in the process of my own personal, spiritual, and psychological evolution. So the answer to your question is, I am i couldn't be happier, and you know, honestly I'll be 80 next year, I'm approaching my 80th birthday here in about 7 or 9 months, and and I um, I'm so totally okay with my life even if someone said to me tomorrow you know, you only have 5 or 6 more months to live, I'd be okay with that as well, mm-hmm. because I I know where I'm going and I know what's going to happen next I have a very deep sense of that So it's like, you know, I don't see how anything could be a great deal better than it is for me right now in my life. And I'm very grateful for that because I realize, of course, that there are millions and millions of people in the world right now who could not say something like this.
0: Yeah. You look absolutely great for your age, by the way.
1: That's very sweet of you to say. I'll send you a check in the morning.
0: (laughs) I think as well, like, you know, you mentioned my age before we we started to chat chat on the interview and i think the more connected you are to self and to god the youthfulness just beams out of you like i'm such a childlike energy like i have you probably see a couple of things behind me i've got I'm a bit of a disney fanatic i love disney because of how it makes me feel the magic in disney it's what i love the most and i've always had this childlike presence about me and i think it shines through in in who i am in my skin and my aura and you know that's that same for you neil like you look youthful because i think it's this connection that we have like when you start to connect more to soul and to to self it can really make you you more youthful because you're more childlike in in a sense
1: i agree with you completely uh, I think that's true of everyone who has connected with their true real self so it's a, a recommendation for people to take a deep look at who they really are and how they can move forward in their lives mm. with a different sense of the ultimate reality that, a different sense than what many people have
0: yeah yeah it's beautiful I, I, I feel like I think the word how I would feel right now is I just feel at peace. You know, like life as it is, physical life, you know, I always kind of ponder this idea of, so whenever I'm sat in contemplation, I'm in nature or I'm just sat in the garden, I can hear the birds right now actually. And I just sit, I wonder how Neil would deal with something like, you know, a stress of something, or you know, a a family argument, or you know, just something that can come into your life that can bring a bit of anxiety and can bring a bit of upset to the the balance of energy. And I th- and I always think when I'm, when my anxiety starts to creep in, I always think how 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 would Neil deal with this? And it gives me so much peace and clarity that I just think it helps me to connect to the peace and just that everything is happening for us and not to us. And it's just, it's emotion. It's just keep moving forward. Just keep, you know, that presence too is being in the present and not. So, you know, in in those moments, I always think, what would Neil do? And I think that's my, my opportunity now to ask you, what would, what would you do, Neil?
1: I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm boasting, But to answer your question directly and truthfully, I don't find myself filled with much anxiety or anxiousness or worry about things anymore. I did, you know, when I was in my 30s or 40s and maybe even into my 50s. But since I had my conversations with God experienced, I have really kind of just dropped all anxiety and anxiousness about anything. You know, I'll give you a perfect example a few years ago, now I guess it's about eight years ago, I had open heart surgery. I went to see my doctor. I was having a little bit of a difficult time uh, physically getting things done, and so I went to my cardiologist. And he said, "You know, um, you really need open heart surgery," and you, you, because he did it, he did a, a, an angiogram, and he found out. He said, "You know, and you don't need open heart surgery in the next year or two or so, but in the next week or so." I said, "What are you What are you telling me?" He said, I'm telling you that most of the major arteries to your heart are compromised, severely compromised. And frankly, you're a walking time bomb. You're lucky to be here. We need to get you under the knife as soon as we can. I said, whoa. Okay. You know, whatever whatever you say, Doc. And I guess it was four or eight days later, less than two weeks later, I was in the operating suite getting ready to have an open heart surgery. And that's not a small it's not like getting your tonsils out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to open your chest up. They're going to saw through your rib cage. They're going to open your rib cage up. They're going to stop your heart for several hours, and and have you on a, being kept alive by a machine. You know, for four or five or six hours, and they're going to do this uh, this operation, and they're going to start pulling veins and arteries from your arms and your chest and your leg or wherever you don't need one. They get a spare one from here and a spare one from there and transplant it into your heart. Well, it turned out I did not need a triple or, or a quadruple bypass. I needed a quintuple bypass. Wow. They needed to replace five of the major arteries in my heart. You don't have any more than that. But here's why I'm telling you this story. I recall lying on the gurney, getting ready to go in, and they said, you know, my my, my sweetheart, my darling wife, could see me for a few minutes before, you know, a final visit before I go with the mm. knife. So we had uh, just a few moments together in the getting ready. And uh, she said, gosh, you seem so calm. Aren't you nervous about this? I said, honey, either I'm going to move through this operation with flying colors and I'm going to come home to you. Mm. Or I'll be going home to heaven, which is the same thing as coming home to you. Yeah. So either way, I win. I can't lose.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said, I, I really feel that way. It's, it's okay. I'm, you know, I don't want to leave you, but I know you'll be fine. And I'll never really leave you. I'll be with you until the end of time. We'll be together always, until for all eternity, not just this lifetime. So I said, it's okay with me, however it turns out. And that brought her to a place of peace as well. Mm-hmm. She was saying, She's able just to breathe out her anxiety and exhale any anxiousness. Okay, she said, okay. Enough. And so I I went in and they tell you, you know how they say on the operating table, count backwards from 10 while they're rejecting the the anesthetic that that puts you to sleep. Ten, you're gone. You don't even get to 8. And, you know, I thought, okay, if that's the end of my life on this planet? I'm fine. So now when you've gone through that kind of a procedure, uh, open-heart surgery, almost anything else that comes along (laughs) is child's play. There's nothing going on. So honestly, I simply don't react and respond to -to day-to-day life events, whatever they might be, in a way that fills me with anything but temporary. Now I, I'm not going to say I don't ever have a, you know, a moment of, are you kidding me? Or wait a minute, what about? The, of course, like oh, you know, I have a reaction, but uh, my reactions. Most people who know me will say, if I have a negative reaction that lasts more than eight or ten minutes, it's it's very very unusual, because I usually slough it off. Yeah, you know, in eight or ten or twelve minutes, it just it just rolls off of me. So I have to say that how I react to things is not the way most people react to things. I seem to be indifferent um, to challenges that I've come confronted with in life, whether they're daily life frustrations or larger larger matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just kind of like go with the flow is how I react. And, I, and you know what? I really took the advice of our conversations with God to heart. I was told in conversations with God, what you resist persists. Yeah, it does. And what you look at ceases to have its illusory form. Mm. The illusion simply evaporates and goes away.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I don't resist anything that comes along. What is, is, and what is not, is not. And that's what's true about that. Mm. My friend Werner Earhart used to say that. He invented a a process called the EST training, which was very big in the United States a few years ago. Mm. And Werner used to say, what is, is. And what is not, is not. Mm. That's what's true about that. And my friend Byron Katie also wrote a book called Loving What Is, Mm. which is a terrific, by the way, Mm. document that talks about what we're now discussing. So my 17-sentence answer to your two-sentence question is, Um, I don't don't react in any way that causes upheaval or disruption in my emotional life to things that come along. I said, we don't. I've often thought, even if my beloved spouse, for some reason, she's 30 years younger than I am, so she's probably going to um, not precede me in death, unless she was, you know, had an accident hit by a bus or whatever. Yeah. But but um, if she somehow left this planet even before I do, even if she died, I would feel sad for my loss, but not sad for her. Yeah, and I would actually celebrate her continuation day. So that's my my answer to your question.
0: It really brought a tear to my eye when you spoke about your open open heart surgery, and I think when you get to that level of peace and surrender like I I think it's for me I think how I see it is what you said Neil was the anxiety or like you know your reaction floats away quite quickly and I've noticed that in my last couple of years especially since turning 30 I feel like the more connection I've done to self and the healing I've done the the reactions become less frequent less I've never been an angry person I've never had that anger I've always been a very calm peaceful and, and happy positive person but when the anxiety comes in and it's something in in life you know I do feel like now the reactions are less you know like where I would sit with it for a few days you know letting the ego mind just ruminate and, you know, make stories up. I think now it's, it's okay. Just let it be, let it go. You know, that's why I think asking you that question was, I, I knew you would answer it that way. I knew it would be answered in such a beautiful way because when I do think about that, it really gives me a lot of clarity and peace. Like I said, when I think about, I wonder what Neil would do in this situation. I asked that quite a lot. You know, and other spiritual teachers that I love daily, you know, I I just ask what would they do. And it does help me to come back into presence and just let it go.
1: I'm glad. Mm. I'm glad you're having that experience and that you're gaining from the experience of those whose lives you've explored. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. Another question I want to ask you from being intrigued is what is uh,
1: 10 and a half
0: <laughs> what's that for oh,
1: my shoe size i thought you were <laughs> i thought you were to ask me
0: <laughs> what is your daily spiritual practice like
1: i don't you know this is a question that sometimes disappoints people uh, but i i have to I I, I I thought i should make up a lie and, <laughs> Say something that people can at least relate to, but I don't have a daily spiritual practice. And I don't okay. meditate, I do not meditate every day. I meditate now and then, but I do not have a daily meditation, you know, practice. I don't pray on a regular basis. I don't, I really don't have a daily spiritual practice. Um, but I, I do have a daily spiritual exercise, which is not quite the same in my mind. I'm almost every day writing. Um, I'm either answering a question that's being asked of me on the Ask Neil column uh, on on the CWG Connect, or I'm responding to somebody uh, on my Facebook page, which has uh, just shy of 900,000 followers. And lots of people ask me um, um, questions, you know, like you're asking here. And I'm also almost always... <laughs> writing a book I'm, I'm i'm writing a book right now yeah. uh, about uh, death yeah. so uh, i and i'm and i'm writing on that book almost every day and I, and it's not that book it'll be something else so i'm almost always writing so I, i'm at my computer probably 6 maybe 7 or 8 hours a day moving what I understand to be the spiritual messages that could be helpful to myself and others mm-hmm. into the world. And I guess that would be my spiritual practice if I, if I was going to define it in that way. But I think it's more like a spiritual exercise. It's just what I do. Yeah. It's just, you know, what I do with my time. But I don't have a particular spiritual practice in the sense of meditating or. Guided visualization or prayer or, you know, saying the rosary or whatever it is that people might do. I simply don't do that.
0: Well, that answer is beautiful because that's how I live as well. Like, I don't have a daily practice where I think part of me thinks I should. And this word should. And I'm thinking, no, it's some days I don't feel like I have to. Some days I feel like I don't want to. Sometimes. I tell people don't should nature. on yourself. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I never, I never fill my life with shoulds.
0: You know, a part of me feels like because of the work that I do, I need to be doing meditation every day, and I need to be writing every day, and I need to be, you know, praying every day and doing breath work. And I think there's just so much pressure. I feel that like that's pressure to to put. Your physical self under of trying to have this spiritual practice every day. Now I know people who do have a a daily spiritual practice, and you Neil have this spiritual exercise, which is beautiful. And I think the key is we're all so different, and what what makes us connect to self, to God, to you know whatever we want to connect to. It's it's a it's a personal journey. I I feel like it's a personal journey and. You know, I'm not big on writing. I don't write a lot where you do. So it just it brings through the uniqueness in all of us, I think. And I, you know, I say to clients when I work with them and friends and family, you know, oh, what should I do, Pippa? Should should I should I do this? Should I do that? I'll say, no. What do you want to do? What What do you desire to do? Yeah, I, I do. I love what you said because it 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 really is like sometimes I'll I'll think that when I when I feel like I'm not doing enough you know enough meditating enough praying enough breath work again I go back to spiritual teachers do they do that every day I wonder if if they meditate every day you know I should be doing this every day and really it's it doesn't matter it's it's for me I think it's just about connecting to we came we came here to experience life to experience this physical existence we mentioned before we started to chat Neil about me living in New Zealand you know I I I go to places, new places in New Zealand because I've only lived here for 10 months. I'm yet to see some more of the beautiful country. And I'm just in awe of the beauty of earth. And I think that is a spiritual practice, getting out into nature and seeing how beautiful this earth is that we came here to live on for a short period of time. And that for me, you know, I love travel. I love seeing new places. I love going into nature I love spending time with animals, you know, all these things that make me feel good, that bring me joy is, yeah, I just, I'm so grateful. So grateful.
1: Thank you for telling me that. I'm happy for you.
0: Thank you so much. So another question that's coming up for me, I want to get onto your new book, The God Solution, because I'm I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I was scanning through and I thought, I'm just going to do what I normally do. I'm going to scroll down and just stop. Just let my intuition go, stop. And it landed on a page. And I just read through some of the questions and the the, the writing on there. And again, it spoke to my soul. And I think that's why your, your work and what you bring through, Neil, is, is, it's just, it does. Like you said, you're, you're, you're a messenger and Jesus was a messenger, you know, all these like for me, Jesus again brought these beautiful messages through. And it, and I was thinking about Jesus before, before, earlier on, before we spoke, and this this section of words had Jesus in it, and I was like, oh, that's why I've landed on that page because aren't we all messengers? You know, aren't we all messengers in our own way to to bring this universal truth into into existence? You know, and I did want to touch on what you mentioned before about connection. You know, how we have all this beautiful technology, phones, Zoom, texts, instant messages, to be able to talk to people around the world, yet we feel so disconnected in in our communication, in our relationships, you know, things like that. So what's your take on that, Neil?
1: I think the challenge is that. To we hold different versions of reality. And um, the opportunity for humanity in the years just ahead is to see if we can't reach consensus uh, on our understanding of ultimate reality. Mm -hmm. See if we can't reach a consensus about this thing that some people call God or the higher power or whatever we want to use as our description of that which is to see if we can't reach consensus about the nature of life and the reason for physical life and to see if we can't reach some consensus about each other Mm -hmm. that is about who we really are in the depth of our being, including those with whom we tremendously disagree. So I think that the opportunity of every evolving species, that is definitely what earthlings are human beings are certainly an evolving species moving dragging ourselves slowly inch by inch to the place where we might be highly evolved beings one day and i think that the challenge before every evolving species is to decide what their what its answer is to every one of these questions, what I call the, the fundamental questions of life: Who am I? Yeah. Where am I? Why am I where I am? And what do I intend to do about that?
0: All of those.
1: That's that's the challenge uh, facing humanity. And um, you ask me if I have a comment on what you've just said? Yes, I. I think we are, it, amazingly more separate from each other now than we were 25 or 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. even though we now have, as you've mentioned, all these tools that should be bringing us closer together. I'm I'm sure that the people who invented FaceTime must be wondering, what did we do? We thought this would be a wonderful device to bring people together, and all it's done is tear people apart Uh, uh, in many ways. And so many of our so-called social networks have done just that. They've just—and why they've done that, uh, um, Pippa—is that they've shown us to ourselves. I'll, I will give social media that much. They've revealed us to ourselves. They've ripped all the covering from us, and we stand naked before each other and say, "This is who I am. These are what I think. These are these are my thoughts. These are my motivations. These are my reasons for doing what I do." And we're looking at each other and not seeing things that are terribly attractive in some cases. And so we're now having to deal with the unattractiveness of the human species and how we can alter that reality. Now, here's what I know about that. What's fascinating is that which is unattractive about so many human beings is easily fixable it could be almost changed with the snap of a finger. And that would be simply by shifting our understanding of who and what God is for those of us who believe in God. And by the way, that I don't know whether well, you know, that's 8 out of 10 people. Uh, surveys have been taken recently, not, not, not years ago, but in the past five years. Social anthropologists have been taking surveys going around the planet, asking people in all the cultures, do you believe in a higher power? And 8.5 out of 10 people statistically are saying yes. They don't agree on what the higher power is, what it wants, how it works, you know, and what it does if it doesn't get what it wants. There's a lot of disagreement about that, which is why we have 4,000 different religions. I didn't make that number up. 4,000 different religions on the face of the earth. But, Eighty-five percent of us believe there is some kind of a higher power. That is, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Mm. Now, if we can get close to what that is, what is that higher power? Can we? And that's what the God Solution is all about. That's why I called the book the God Solution. Yeah. Because if we can change our definition of God, we would then alter the undergirdment, the foundation of the moral foundation of humanity's experience of itself. Currently, most people who do believe in God, and again, that's about 85% of us, most people who believe in God believe that God is judgmental, condemning, and punishing. That's not true of everyone, but it is true of the largest number of people who belong to those 4,000 religions. They have been taught, they have been told that God is judgmental, condemning, and punishing. If you don't do what God wants, God will condemn you and punish, to and to punish the punishment is not going to be a, a lighthearted slap on the wrist. It's going to be everlasting damnation in the fires of hell. So we are told. When I was, you know, when I was nine years old, I was told in the third grade, I went to a Catholic parochial school, and I was told by the priest who would come in once a week and teach catechism. He was describing one week. Uh, Mortal sin. In the Catholic Church, there's such a thing as mortal sin and venial sin. Venial sin is kind of a spiritual misdemeanor. And a mortal sin is something you go to hell for immediately upon dying. No discussion, no pleading, no opportunity to change God's mind. You're just sent immediately to hell. And I was told, uh, I said, well, Father, what, what is a mortal sin? Can you give me an example? And he said, Sure. A missing Mass on Sunday. I said, I'm sorry missing mass on one Sunday of your life it will send you to hell forever? And the priest made it very clear that that was what was true. Now, when I turned 50, I decided to look it up to see if maybe that teaching has been changed. Perhaps the church has realized it's a little outmoded. It's a little over overstated. No, in fact, to this day, to this moment that we're sharing here on this program, the Catholic Church teaches that missing Mass on Sunday without a good excuse. If you have a sick parent you're taking care of, fair enough. If you have to work, okay. But if you just went to play a game of golf or didn't have any other good reason to not go to church, you are going to hell when you die. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, if, if we believe in a God who has such needs... That he sends us to hell for not going to church on Sunday on one particular, even if it's only one week out of the year that you missed because it was a big golf tournament. You didn't want to miss it. If that's the kind of God we believe in and we have adopted, here's, here's where the, where the screw turns, Pippa. This is why I'm making such an issue of all this because religion also teaches us that we should model God's behavior that we should try to act God-like, if we can, in our life. That, that gives us leave. It gives us permission to be judgmental, condemning, and punishing with each other. Yeah. And, of course, we have been throughout human history. Yeah. So now if we change our mind about God, if we said, well, what if that wasn't true about God? What if God judges, condemns, and punishes no one? Then we pull the rug out from under our moral authority to judge, condemn, and punish others. There goes goes the death penalty. Who could imagine a society that would say, you know, the way to teach people that killing people on purpose is not okay is to kill people on purpose. See, Einstein was real clear. Albert Einstein, the wonderful scientist, said years ago, you can't solve any problem using the same energy that created it. You're not going to bring an end to, uh, to violence with violence, to anger with anger, to killing with killing. You think you're going to bring an end to people killing each other by killing them in a process called the death penalty? You're not, it, By the way, it hasn't worked. Yeah. Countries with the death penalty in the United States, states with the death penalty have the highest rate of murder of any state in the Union. So um, what would it take for us to wake up? Hello, wake up. It's not working. Mm -hmm. But what I'm suggesting in the God solution is that if we can cause people to embrace a new definition of God, we could change the moral foundation of humanity. So what is that new definition? I've said that the new definition of God that I'm offering is a two-word definition. We can define God in two words pure love. Yeah, now when I give this definition in, in audiences to audiences, someone in the back of the room inevitably stands up and says, Oh, neo, 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 neo. I've been listening to you for 25 minutes. For you to tell me the great revelation is that God is love. All religions agree on that, they may not agree on certain doctrines or dogmas, but every religion on the earth agrees that God is love. And I have to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not what I said. I didn't say God is love. Yes, you did. You just said it. No, no, no. What I just said was, God is pure love. Now my friend in the back of the room will say, okay, what's the difference? Yeah. The difference is that pure love needs, expects, hopes for, asks for, and demands nothing in return. Yeah. You can't even love the person across the pillow that way. How can we love other nations, other races, other cultures? We can't even love the person across the other side of the bed. Without expecting, hoping for, demanding, asking, and needing nothing in return. Unless we can. Unless we can get to a place, one person at a time, where we say, you know, I don't love you because of what I think I can get from you. I don't love you because you fulfill the needs that I have found in myself. I don't love you because of what I hope you could provide me. I love you simply because you're utterly, completely, and totally lovable. Uh And if I got nothing back from you, read that N-O-T-H-I-N-G, if I got nothing back from you, I would not stop loving you. Because my love for you is not a quid pro quo. It's not a this for that. It's not a a trade deal. Like countries have trade deals with each other. I used to think that love was a trade deal. I'll trade you this, you trade me that. And on Valentine's Day, I used to find the perfect Valentine's Day card. My darling, my beloved, I trade you very much. And I will never stop trading you. I will trade you until the end of time. But if you stop trading me and don't give me what I think I need from you, the deal is off. And that's how nations love nations. Races love races genders love genders, people love people, because we have not understood the true definition of love. And because we haven't understood the true definition of love, we've not understood the true definition of God. Now, if we change our definition of God, we change the moral infrastructure of humanity, of our social, our economic, our political and our spiritual undertakings. Every interaction with each other has a new basis for its functioning. The basis is, I love you and I need nothing from you to demonstrate it. Can we believe in it? And that, you don't know, got to believe. You have to understand, Pippa, that's a spiritually revolutionary idea. If you go into the, most of the churches and synagogues and temples of the world and say, God needs nothing. God wants nothing. God asks for nothing. They'll they'll accuse you of heresy, blasphemy. Because we, we can't bring ourselves to believe in a God who demands nothing from us in return for God's blessings. We can't even believe that it's possible that God may not have a penis. Of course, God is a male. Of course, God couldn't be a she. I mean, everyone understands that. But God is a man, and God demands what it wants, and it better get what it wants or else. Yeah, That's a good thing, Mary, to me, just as of last month, because that's how I would treat you, and you'd be very sad after just a few days in the house with me.
0: It's, I I just resonate with every word that you say. And I I just got it up because I actually screenshotted um, a section of your book. And these questions that you wrote. Can you imagine sending a letter or an email containing loving thoughts to a political leader whose actions, decisions and speeches you abhor? Can you imagine reaching out with love to a neighbor who has slandered you and caused you to lose your friends? or a fellow worker who has lied and caused you to lose your job. Like these questions are the questions that I connect with and think about loving everybody and not wanting anything in return. Like it's been something that I've, I find easy, but then the lesson of the, you know, from the St. Francis prayer, which I read a lot, you know, it's make me an instrument of thy peace and it's, not saying give me peace it's it's becoming peace it's becoming love it's and when how you describe that I'm not even going to try and describe how you described it because you described it perfectly is about this pure love and seeing others how God sees you and that's something that I I work on every day you know you know even though like someone may be mean or you know he said slander or cause you to be upset it's just seeing them as as just love and the bible you know it says forgive them for they know not what they do And you know that sticks in my mind a lot like it's just that that phrase sticks in my mind a lot and these these questions you you wrote and I just read them and you can understand what pure love is about and I think yeah, it just, it, it, it just warms my heart when you describe it that way, because it's how I... When
1: Jesus said that. What's important for people who are listening to this need to know is that Jesus said that. He uttered that phrase, forgive them for they know not what to do, as they were killing him. I know. Not just insulting him or being mean or being cruel or being insensitive. They were murdering the man. And he had the clarity of vision and the openness of heart to say, "Father, forgive them." They don't even know what they're doing So we have heard these messages for thousands of years, long before Christ, for that matter, in the days of Enoch, in the days of Moses, the days of Buddha, which preceded almost all of that.. I mean, We've heard these messages, each in their own particular articulation. I love the articulation of Jesus because he said it so clearly. Love, love, love your enemies. Yeah. And pray for those who persecute you. Yeah. And do good to those who would do you evil. And raise not your fist to heaven and curse the darkness not, but be a light unto the darkness that you might know who you really are. And if a man steals your coat, give him your shirt as well. And if a man asks you to walk one mile with him,
0: go with him, Twain. I know.
1: It's so simple.
0: It is. Well, A lot of people complicate it, and it is so simple. And I actually watched... um, the Moses Code documentary a couple of days ago and you were on that. Because The Moses Code, <clears throat> the the two track that Matt Twyman created, uh, Chris and I listen to that every night. Every night when we go to bed, we play The Moses Code. And The Moses Story is one of my favorite stories of all time. I just really resonate with the story. And just listening to The Moses Code documentary again, just it's that next level of... of Life of consciousness of you know of connection for me. It's it, it's where I'm at right now. And uh, to think where I'll be in 20 30 years time, you know, even though I'm still in my thirties and I feel like I've got a long journey ahead, I'm really happy where I am in my journey. I know there's, you get to a certain stage in your journey, you think, oh, I, I'm I feel so awake and I, I love my spiritual journey and how I'm seeing things. But then you, you become more awake and more enlightened and you just feel, you know. I, I, mem- I remember a, a goal of mine two years ago was to reach enlightenment. And I wrote it down in my diary. And as, as I progressed over the last two years and your, your conversation with God books really helped me to change that goal. Because I remember sitting with the idea and I thought, that's not the goal the goal isn't to reach enlightenment the goal is to be because I feel like we weren't we didn't come to earth to reach enlightenment we 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 are enlightenment we 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 came from enlightenment we came here to have this physical human experience and it just I just changed it you know I just changed that goal because I feel like as you said Neil earlier to be home here and to be home in spirit it's a win-win. But,
1: but you just said something interesting. You said we came here to have the physical experience. Why? Yeah, why? If I was listening to your podcast, I'd say, well, it's all very interesting. Nice nice collection of words.
0: I came here to
1: have this physical experience. But yes. I'd be asking why. Who who asked for this? Why, why do we want this physical experience? Especially given the way it's turning out these days. Yeah. And your answer is?
0: a really good question because you feel like i do hypnosis and past life regression and you know people ask that question why why did i come here why 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 did i want to come here to experience pain and loss and and sadness and you know all these heavy emotions on the scale and they just said to learn to to learn and to grow and for the soul to be experiencing different life you know i I don't. I was have a... told
1: in conversations with God that the, that life is not a school, and we didn't come here to learn anything. I know. Oh, you know. Okay, then what? Do I well, was that's what I'm next? saying.
0: Like, the, I, I was going to say, I don't really have a set opinion. I just feel like it. Is, it just is. Like it just.
1: Okay, so let me let me let me let me offer you the opportunity to have a set opinion. Okay. When I said to God. Surely we came here to learn. God said, Neil, is there a tree anywhere near where you live? I said, yeah, there's one right outside my window. She said, oh, you mean that beautiful oak, that 27-foot oak tree outside your window? I said, yes. He said, what has that tree learned since it was a seed no bigger than your little fingernail? I said, well, it hasn't learned anything. It just grew into itself. God said, are you trying to tell me that I planted in the seed everything the tree needed to know to become that beautiful oak outside your window? I said, yeah, I suppose you could put it that way. To which God replied, if I so loved the tree, would I not all the more love you? And so I tell you this, my son. You have nothing to learn. And you did not come here to learn anything. Your opportunity here is to simply remember what you have always known. And to remember as well in another way. To remember, that is to become a member once again of the body of God that you and I have never separated in any way. And once you remember who you really are, you will realize that you did not come here to experience these daily encounters so that you could learn something from them, but because they give you an opportunity, one by one, each event, each circumstance, each situation, each occurrence, each moment providing you with an opportunity For you to announce and declare express and fulfill, demonstrate and become who you really are at the next highest level. You may want to call that evolution. So these events have not been tossed at you so that you can learn something from them, but so that you can use them to demonstrate your true identity, which is exactly how every saint and sage and guru has moved through their life. They've simply used the incoming events. Ah! Another opportunity for me to announce and declare, express and fulfill, become and experience who I really am. And if I think I'm the light, to use a metaphor, if I say, you know, I am the light. How can I experience being the light? I can know that I'm the light. But I'm like a candle in the sun. I can know that I'm the light, but I can't express it. I can't experience it. And simply knowing who I am isn't enough. The soul yearns to demonstrate, to experience, to express what it knows of itself. And so you would remove yourself from the sun. You wouldn't allow yourself to be a candle in the sun, along with a million, gazillion, gazillion other candles. But you would actually place yourself where there is what? Ah, The darkness. So that you could express and experience yourself as the light. Therefore, judge not and neither condemn but be a light unto the darkness that you might know who you really are. This is what I was told in my conversations with God. You're not here to learn anything. Because if you think you're here to learn something, you'll keep on asking yourself through the years, when am I ever going to learn that? Why does it take me so long? Why is it so hard for me to learn that? When will I ever learn that? When the question is, when will I demonstrate and step into the expression of what I already know myself to be. Ah, now I understand. What I've just shared with you in the past three minutes changed my life 27 years ago.
0: I was just about to say, I'm going to obviously post this and have that three-minute snippet for myself to listen to daily, I think. Just I've got tears in my eyes.
1: It's what brought me to the place where I can finally make sense of my life. Yeah. And now, rather than trying to avoid unwelcome or unpleasant circumstances, in a sense, not that I'm inviting it, but in a sense, there's a part of me that says, all right, bring it on. Mm -hmm. Bring it on. It's okay. Because I'm here to demonstrate, impress you, Not to make you think better of me, but to give me the experience of myself for which I have longed and yearned from the beginning of time. Wow. Yeah. I could, of course, be wrong about all of that. But I don't think so.
0: Neither do I. What a beautiful way to close an interview like i had tears just rolling down my face at that just i'm so grateful for you and for life and all of it
1: it's a nice thing to hear those words when they're directed at me and i i receive that wonderful energy of, of gratitude as a wonderful gift from life. Thank you. And I've enjoyed being here with you.
0: Me too. Perhaps we might do it again sometime. I hope so. I'm really excited to read the rest of your book. And I hope everybody listening, if you find Neil's work, read it. You know, it's just, it's life-changing. And I know you'll say, Neil, people will find you when they're meant to find you. And they will meant to find your work and your books and read them at the right time. I certainly read your books at the exact right time I was meant to.
1: I'm glad you did. And to remind anyone who's listening, the book is called The God Solution. Be careful, don't pick it up, because it could change your life.
0: I'm like, I'm just it. I want to go get on the PC now and read read the book again because so I was just scrolling through and I just oh just picking up little sentences here and there and yeah, I'm really excited to read get lost in your beautiful energy and words
1: have a wonderful day my friend
0: you too send in my love from New Zealand
1: thanks and next time you get to the other part of New Zealand visit Death by Chocolate
0: I definitely will, I can't wait (laughs) it's
1: a wonderful shop
0: (laughs) I can't wait to go (laughs) Thank you so much, Neil. You're welcome. Take care. I'll chat to you soon.
1: Bye for now. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.